0: Hello, I'm Simon Farrell-Green and I'm the editor of Here magazine and we're delighted to be bringing you this series of wonderful New Zealand houses along with our friends at Altherm Window Systems. Over the next year we'll be talking with top New Zealand architects about a recent design, learning how it came to be and why the people who live in it love it so much. We'll have beautiful videos, lovely photographs and some great yarns. But we're also going to feature a podcast with each project where I get to chat with the architect and hear the story behind the design. It's a chance for us to sit down at length and hear the full story. From the city to the country, from large and luxurious to small and clever, I hope you'll follow along with us as we explore these wonderful New Zealand houses. Building a house in the country is deceptively difficult. While you don't have the constraints of a city house, other issues come into play that can be difficult to surmount. And let's face it, we've all seen examples of when it goes wrong. Where do you site it? And how do you deal with the view, which can be almost overpowering? How do you balance humility and polish? How do you make it feel like a home that's also a rural building? And how do you make it feel generous without being overscaled? Here on a bucolic site in the Waikato, just down the road from Cambridge, architect Geoff Lentz of Hamilton's Power Architects has more than overcome those challenges, creating a house that is distinctly rural but still contemporary. It's beautifully at home on its site and it balances enclosure and view in sophisticated ways. Geoff joins us now to tell us a little bit about the house. So first up i thought i'd ask you what makes a good rural house to you what what's what are some of the things that a a, a really good rural house would do architecturally yeah i i, I don't know if
1: they are um, you know overriding um, rules or um, the common this or common issues but uh, because the site is often the the specifics and the um, actual location become so key in designing any house whether it's rural or or residential Um, in this case quite often and this is the case quite often in doing a, a, a rural house the town planners have a major part in that in the sense that no matter how big the piece of land is Generally, the designated building platform is at the centre, so there's no, and so so that often overrides considerations for the actual contours and 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 um, issues like, for instance, I mean Frank Lloyd Wright often used to try and nestle a house into the side of a hill rather than take the top, but um, in these kind of sites it's often uh, there's no other alternative but to place it centrally with the big distances required, the big setbacks to boundaries. And then sometimes that's complicated again by the person doing the subdivision who may bring in some quite restrictive covenants. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's so so though building on a hill and then keeping the house nestled down in scale and so that it doesn't doesn't become dominate dominant in the landscape and in this case the, the I think it's because it's such a dark the, the dark uh, modest kind of corrugate cladding um, picks up the vernacular use of the material widely used in sheds and so in a way this is a just a sophisticated shed but very um, with with lots of Detail touches, and uh, in many ways, it's, it's incognito. So the um, the simplicity of the outside form, the dark profile, belies the, um, the some more complexity as you get inside the house. And the normal schema of um, the most durable materials being outside uh, are turned around in this case, and where you've got brick. The brick, for its mass and for its rustic charm, is the becomes the interior surface.
0: Mm. So, where did you where did you start? When did you first visit this place? And and what was what, what was your impression when you first got here?
1: Early early on we visited the site and uh, I think it was f- sort of winter, end of winter. So, of course, typically wet conditions in the Waikato um, f- was fairly windy and bleak, which is always good as an architect to see it in less than ideal <laughs> <its worst>. circumstances. <laughs> yeah, at its worst. Um, and sometimes I've been on, on on sites that are so windswept and you get a really good feel for how protected the thresholds need to be.
0: And what was how how exposed was it here on that day? Is it
1: uh, yeah, fairly, look it was fairly windy, so we had a good insight into um, uh, yeah the the wind issues and it's created some protection, as I say, over the the, the, the thresholds.
0: because mm. it's a, it's a little bit tricky, isn't it? Because it's that's it's sort of largely south facing in terms of view, and then to the north you've got neighbours and those sorts of things. So that's obviously a big consideration in terms of where you placed it and how you you oriented it.
1: Yes, yes. Um, Well, the other thing is some major view paths going east, so Mungatautry and towards Cambridge being um, the the sort of eastern axis through the house, and then uh, we had to pick out with a picture window the um, occasional view in the right conditions to Perongia, and that was south so uh, your instinct as an architect is to try and have a a, a cozy intimate um, and low wall facing south which we've got here we've got the 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 warmth of the brick and the thermal mass Um, but we've had to punch a window into it as well but the The house itself is like a giant extrusion um, and it telescopes the east and west side of the house. So the idea was to try and create some outdoor spaces, alternative areas when the wind's blowing in the wrong direction that you can escape. And then we've got some more modest scaled outdoor space on the northern side of the house. But... The the biggest issue with this house was making a a massive um, hanging the house off a huge steel truss that gave us high level windows and brought north sun deep into the house Uh, and that's the living space so it's a you know it's a really um, spacious lots of light and there's and and there's always a playful kind of textured light coming through the um, perforated sunscreens at, at, at high level. That was a major uh, objective to try and make, you know, I really like the fact that it's got a lot of frayed edges. Mm. It's not just severe and, you know, so constantly changing light from summer to winter you're always getting, you know, changing light patterns on the in, on the inside of the house.
0: Mm. We've, I mean, we've been sitting here for a couple of hours, and it's you just you track the light, don't you, in this place? It mm. it comes in one window for ten minutes, and then you look up again, and it's it's up in one of the clearer stories, or it's in you know these raked windows over the doors, or it just it moves constantly. Yes, yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd worked with the clients before, hadn't you? Yes, um, we, I mean, I had the
1: privilege of we we, we did a house for them, um, a beach house, and so we got to know each other really well through that project. And with a beach house, it's you, you can be even more. You tend to be, or client and clients allow you to be more playful. You know, it's a chance to do something a bit wilder than you would if you your normal kind of dwelling. And so we definitely. Did some really interesting things with them on that on the previous Beach House, and so uh, I think this collaboration was was in some ways better because we knew each other that much more and um, and. And the clients will, have always been very adventurous about using color and um, I mean this this it's, it's, this is quite restrained in the sense that's it got a very simple scheme of black and white lots of timber and uh, but the little the little touches in the house bring color and uh, so it's a slightly different approach than their beach house which is pretty wild. Um, So yeah, but it was was, the the collaboration is that much better. The better you know somebody and your client, Mm.
0: Mm.
1: what was their brief? Was was there much Um, of a brief? Fairly was fairly um, well. I don't know about loose, but it was um, quite succinct. And um, because I think we had a good trust in each other, and they were keen for for us to explore options. So um, this the house. This house is really the kind of second um, let's say iteration we 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 the initial design we took the path of doing um what i think it's an instinct probably with architects generally is to try and do a courtyard house with a protected space and that works beautifully and we did a i think it did a really lovely layout but the problem there was that the um external wall area becomes when a rambling design it becomes so so large that the costs escalate and we didn't even we didn't even get that costed because I knew from experience that that was going to be beyond the client's budget expectations mm. um, and so you know that's that's the other major issue for most architects I mean it may, maybe a few are blessed with with clients that have a um, Give them carte blanche in a financial sense, but that's very rare. Everybody has their limits, and, and expectations. And so, um, the, so we had to bring this house in tight. We had to we had to rethink it on a much simpler basis, much simpler schema. And so, hence the fact that you've got this this big structural rib through the house that just um, sheds light into it. Um, and that was really uh, because it's a much a much more economical way of achieving, um, and probably an unorthodox in some ways, a country house without having to resort to lots of wings rambling over the site.
0: Mm, mm. I love what you said before about the frayed edges because you've got that's a, a huge part of it. It's almost like that courtyard that, that you'd originally designed has sort of been broken down and, and placed around the edges of the house you've got. Just tell us a little bit about some of those spaces and and what they do. Um, the So the primary um, thresholds of, like, east and west, where
1: so you've got the roof form continues on to give you some protection, and the walls to the brick walls, Uh, facing south and then we've got these smaller uh, courtyard um, spaces that are on the northern side which are more about giving you glimpses into those areas and then you've got we've got a belt of trees along the northern site uh, boundary which are they're very tall Um, but we've got enough space from them to still bring north sun even even the low sun in winter um, and so the, we, we had a landscape um, designer who really uh, got the house, understood what we were trying to do, and has made a really good, I think, contribution, you know, because these um, more intimate areas outside uh, add a lot to the house itself. And without them, it would be, um, you know, they, they really do um, soften it in the landscape. Mm. And it's um makes something which would be much more um uh, s- severe to use, <laughs> perhaps not the appropriate word but um they they certainly um add a lot
0: mm. Mm. Tell us about the materials because it it feels very restrained and 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 pulled together and and coherent. But when you start looking at it, there's actually quite a lot going on. So tell us about the approach to the materials and where you've put those materials and, and what they do and, and, and why. The, um, well, we talked earlier about mm.
1: the use of brick. So it's the inverse of the way you, to, to, to what you would normally do. Um, and then we wanted to make it... Uh, you know meaningful in the sense that it wasn 't just the south wall of the house, but we've uh, we've used it to form the hearth you know for the little snug area, so it erupts through the dark floor and it becomes the painted white brick and it forms a plinth to sit the kitchen island on and so we wanted to have some real materials that give it a rustic sort of charm, but use them in a substantial Way and and, and, and um, I think it's stronger for that having those those rough edges and places and it isn't just a, f- a house with amazing immaculate um, finishes which so so um, often the case and th- while that's hard to achieve and it has its own kind of thrill in terms of workmanship um, it, it's something that feels good and comfortable in the country is is what you're trying to achieve so. Um, and the other thing is that from a cost point of view, I mean, we've used modest materials like the plywood, and for the ceiling, we cut that into strips and created a sort of serrated profile um, that breaks up the light for for reflected light fittings at night, but also the high-level light when it plays down at different times of the year, you get some really amazing... Um, uh, patterning and um, shadows. So, we by by cutting it into two four hundred wide strips, you know, it's transformed into something much more interesting. And you've got these little pockets which break it up acoustically because we've got a lot of hard surface here, um, and we've used that to form. A sliding, a a big sort of sliding door with a pattern um, configuration on the um, in the snug area, and it's interesting when we were collaboratively detailing this with the clients. um, We had the joiner make up. We were trying different patterns, and actually, the client came up with this really good idea, Um, and it's we've created like a vertical striped effect, just just with simple plywood battens and we tried more expensive options but um they were just too costly so uh, the joiner built this this thing and um the, the the first version was um just like a strobing effect visually it was just <laughs> hideous and it was like something like something warped out of the 70s it was like a almost psychedelic and they the joiner rang me and very concerned and said, "Look, I think you'd better have a look at this because we're building it, but it's almost making us sick putting it together." Um, and so I remember going and having a look at it and just sort of laughing with the joiner because we just we knew that it was too. Um, the strobing effect was hideous, and. We called the client and to just to show them what was going on, and they agreed. And so we had to we had to change the patterning. So we added some more um, battens, but we had to just modify it to to
0: make it more restful. I love the amount of and detail that that you and the clients piled into. Is that did you sort of go long on this project, or or do you do that uh, with uh, all This was particularly good in the sense that um, the
1: clients were also really invested in things like the lighting. Um, uh, They came up with this fantastic light fitting that we used over the island. And so they've contributed these things as we were designing it to make it better. And that's what I think just makes it even a better outcome when you've got clients that are that interested to challenge you a bit. And we had to, I mean, I started with a more radical... um, uh, cable tray, trunking kind of version of the um, the screen wall to the snug, uh, which which was quite an an industrial aesthetic, and it, with the clients um, input we made it a bit softer and less in your face, less kind of um, and 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 it's that kind of interplay that
0: I think gives you a really. A special outcome mm, we need to talk about the cable tray because that was um that's that's an unusual material i've not seen that used that way tell us tell us a bit about that and what the what the sort of thinking on it was um the yeah look we uh, as as architects you're always looking for the
1: opportunity to um repurpose and find something that's That's you can that's crafted, but it's it's economical because if you get something custom made, the the costs become just prohibitive for most people, and so to find something that's got an industrial kind of use, but um, is very economical and uh, has such fantastic um, uh, reflected. Light qualities, the 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 patterning you get through it, the fact that it can span really uh, well, it's a strong, it's light, it's it's inexpensive. I mean, it was I was just a um, a thrill as an architect to find something as good as this. So I've been um, sort of experimenting with different making, trying to make doors out of it, trying to do joinery, um, uh, and it's sort of and light fittings, all sorts of uses. And so in this case. It lent itself so well to to using as louver blades on those um, exterior windows, uh, where it just softens the the harsh kind of um, light going from summer to winter. And we uh, in, in in summer when you want really good sun shading, you get the really steep sun angles, shedding this perforated light on the inside, um, and it's a yeah, it's a wonderful... And, you know, so we quite often use materials that you, in a different fashion, like upside down or, you know, it's all about... I mean, it's just about the creative process of finding new uses or new applications. Um, and this, I think, has got a lot more potential. Um, it's We had to powder coat it for the exterior use, but if you use it inside, you get that wonderful electro-galve silver reflected quality and it's
0: oh, I, yeah, I love it mm, so, it's, so it's another texture and, and I yeah. guess another way of, of moving light around isn't it that seems to be yes. a lot of what's happening in here is, is rather than a flat surface or a flat wall you're getting all these, these, these shadows and these, these bits where light sort of bounces around
1: and we were able to use it to make a screen wall at the entry. Which, if you if you're here early enough in the morning, you get the full benefit. But um, the low sun comes through it, and you just it just turns it into this r- really light veil that um, is so is so nice. You, and it's, it belies it's kind of industrial. I mean, it's just normal. It's, it's just a cable tray, but it's, it's I, I think it's great.
0: That's great. I was going to ask you. What you like most about this house? Uh, I th- just that
1: uh, from, from the road, um, it, it looks like a little... It, it, there's so many uh, interesting roof forms and jagged edges that it looks like a, um, a collection of many roofs when, in fact, it's only got one separate shed... Studio that forms a separate fragment, but the rest of it is one form essentially. It's just it's been sort of split into two roofs. But um, from the road looking up, it just looks like a, 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 a lovely sort of rural collection of roof forms. And but it's not it's not imposingly high or anything. I think it's still modest in the landscape. And. Um, the, uh, the comment before about it being a house incognito that it, uh, and part of that is the fact that it's black. In a ubiquitous mm. kind of black at the moment, but mm. but it has that um, effect of you know downplaying the form in the landscape. Which mm. I means,
0: mean, you, I mean you've got a lovely old barn. Immediately next door, they're sort of sitting talking to each other, aren't they? You've got yes. you've got that old green corrugate barn there, and then you've got the black sort of shed up here, and there's there's definitely a relationship between the between the two. And and that and that was another thing
1: the client really wanted us to acknowledge the uh, the, the old shearing shed corrugated at the bottom, which. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I hope it'll be there in the future, but I guess nobody can say for how long, but it's an acknowledgement of that. It sits slightly lower. But there's nothing, I mean, it's a, um, we haven't copied the roof form, but it's got a nice kind of modest relationship to the house, you know, that it's, uh, and yeah, it's not a sophisticated interloper here. It's just, it's part of the kind of shed
0: history. That's really nice. The one thing I was also going to ask you, and I I like to ask people this, is what's the thing that you learned that you took with you from this project? The
1: biggest learning really was that... um Despite your first response to a project, um, <laughs> your first pr- response. A lot of architects will say generally you feel it in your bones and you'll do that. You, your your first solution is often the best, and that that can be true. But in this case, um, uh, you know, I think I was distracted by the courtyard possibility, which would have had would have had a lot of. Um, uh, potential and would have been a beautiful house, no doubt, in, in many ways. But I think the discipline of having to be more conscious of the client's budget expectations, and actually, in this case, it's been a surprisingly good outcome. I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean personally. And so um, those disciplines uh, sometimes can... End, you can end up with a remarkably
0: good outcome, that's fab. Thank you, Jeff. Really, Thanks that so. was lovely. And, and that was Jeff Lentz of Power Architects telling us about a house he designed in the rural Waikato that balances a contemporary edge with a rural vernacular. It's no mean feat, but one that's handled with aplomb here. Thanks for joining here in Althurn as we explore these great New Zealand houses and chat with the architects who brought them to life. We'll see you next time.